right, all right. Day 132. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith, and this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see God, to see through it and see God, not to it, to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right. So um, <clears throat> we're coming up on the end of the first book of Psalms. So uh, again, the Psalms were organized into five books. And we're coming up on the end. So we're here with Psalm 37. And Psalm 37 is really good because um, this uh, psalm is a wisdom psalm. So remember that the psalms technically fall in the category of the Bible that you call the wisdom literature, right? It's it's our instruction to make, um, it's instruction by God, from God, to help us to live wisely in the world. And so um, it's one of the longer psalms we have seen up until this point. And the basic idea is this. Fret not when godless people prosper, right? Stay faithful and loyal, and Yahweh will make all things right as he always does, right? This psalm is also an acrostic, and basically what that means is, um, you know, if you look at it in Hebrew, uh, each section of the psalm begins with the next with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So the first two verses with the first letter, the next two verses with the second, right? Over and over and over, and it just breaks up the psalm into pieces so you can understand it better so it starts off this way though do not be agitated by evil doors do not envy those who do wrong for they wither quickly like grass and wilt like tender green plants in other words uh the psalmist is trying to say their time is short-lived right it's easier to refrain from envying the wicked when we remember their destiny right they won't last god's justice is the christian's solace right so in other words, we like don't go try to do what they do because what they do ain't going to lead them down the right path ultimately, right? Then he also instructs us in how to live wisely. And pro tip, it's not rocket science, right? You don't need a seminary degree to live wisely as a Christian. And that is just such good news. He says this, trust in the Lord and do what is good. Verse three, verse four, take delight in the Lord. Verse five, commit your way to the Lord. Verse 27, turn away from evil, do what is good. Like, it's very simple, right? Wisdom, listen, wisdom is not just for the elite. It is not just for the spiritually elite. It is not just for the intellectually elite, right? It is not for the uh, financially elite. Like, it is for everybody. And it's so accessible. And I love that, man, because it doesn't discriminate. And so what he's just saying, though, is this. Our loyalty to God is based on trust and reliance and commitment to him but also in our care and kindness to our neighbor. Notice how wisdom has this social implication as well. And attached to this, like many of the other precepts of God, are promises, right? They're promises. And so he says this, wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will watch when the wicked are destroyed. So he uses this language of inheritance, of the land um, and inheritance was the promise God made to his people through way of his covenant. And it was a way that um, that the New Testament would say that believing this promise, they were saved. Right. And in other words, for us, the best way to keep God's precepts is to remember his promises. Right. The best way to keep God's precepts is to just remember his promises, to remember what he's already done, to remember what, he already, what he's already said. Remember what's already fixed for us. Right. That will compel us to do so. It's by keeping our eyes forward and upward, right? Not looking uh, 
to the side, right? Not, not looking sideways and our neighbors who seem to be prospering even though they're disobeying God, right? It won't last. Their success, their money, their fame, or whatever they may have will dry up, right? Focus on <laughs> what doesn't. And so Psalm 38 comes, and the question he's asking here is this. What do you do when you know you've sinned against a mighty judge, right? When you have wronged and committed a crime against a person who is not only more powerful than you, but has the ability to condemn you, right? Psalm 38 shows us, though, that you plead for mercy, right? My man is going through it in this psalm. And this, just show, this psalm right here shows us that your relationship with God, remember this, your relationship with God is the most important relationship in your life. That sounds simple and it seems like we know it, but we don't act like it, right? But not only that, it will affect every single thing else. Look what he says. There's no soundness in my body. Because of your indignation, there's no health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have flooded over my head. They are a burden too heavy for me to bear. My wounds are foul and festering because of my foolishness. I am bent over and brought low all day long. I go around in mourning. My man is beat up. He feels it inwardly. He feels it outwardly. He feels it in his body. He doesn't feel good. It's crazy how integrated we are as human beings, dog. Like, spiritual problems lead to physical ones, right? We are both body and soul. I love that about the Christian faith. We're not just souls having a, a physical experience, and we're not just physical people having a spiritual experience. We are both robustly, right? So this grief, this mourning, this sickness came as a result of, the, of bearing the weight of his sin. But not only that, what he says after that is good too. Um, he says he sees this socially too. So it's not just inwardly, but socially. And throughout the Old Testament, a common theme in the lament psalms, such as we have here, is that folks often experience a social alienation amidst suffering, right? So we've seen that with Job, where he was like, yo, the, the young cats don't even pay me homage no more. Like, they don't even rock with me. Um, but what this comes from is this comes from shame, right? And shame is a lonely phenomenon, right? It makes us want to isolate ourselves from others, Right. And it makes us want to hide and cover ourselves with leaves when we hear the voice of one who may be trying to help. But by the end, he expresses hope. He expresses faith. He says this, Lord, do not abandon me. My God, do not be far from me. Hurry to help me, my Lord, my salvation. The thing that I was just struck with by the psalm, the end of the psalm is, um, man, the weight of our sin is something we were never meant to carry, right? It's something that he was, right? That God was, right? It was bore for us at the cross by Jesus and shame is something was taken that was taken there as well. And our sins and the weight of them don't have to crush us. You know why? Because it crushed the Christ. That's why it crushed the Christ. And so when we believe that promise and we walk in it day by day, it gives us freedom. It gives us freedom. As long as we acknowledge our sin to God, we experience forgiveness and freedom. And Psalm 39 comes, and it has the elements of the wisdom tradition as well, and while at the same time is a psalm of someone suffering. And I love it. It's so good. And he offers this unique, like profound perspective, dog. And you're going to see it more and more throughout the Psalms. And uh, one of the things that I always say, man, is that if we all knew our expiration date, we'd instantly change the way we live, right? 
we we, we change. We we would do if somebody told you you're going to leave this earth tomorrow. And I'm not wishing anything on anybody. Yeah. Anyway, but if somebody told you that you would you would change, right? We'd prioritize so much more strategically, man. We prioritize God. We prioritize relationships. We stop stuffing our souls with things that don't really matter, right? And the psalmist says something similar here, man. He says, Lord, make me aware of my end and the number of my days so that I will know how short-lived I am. In fact, you have made my days just inches long and my lifespan is as nothing to you. Yes, every human being stands as only a vapor. Uh, this word for vapor is hevel, hevel. And basically, uh, this Hebrew word is um, a word that like, yeah, it means like a mist of breath, right? So if you think about when it's really cold outside, you blow a mist of breath and you see it and then it vanishes away. And that's the, the kind of impetus behind what he's saying is that life just goes by so fast, man. And, um, you know, uh, I actually heard a, a parent uh, recently say that, man, you know, that um, when kids are growing up, you realize that it's long days and short years, right? And it's just this idea, man, that even as an adult watching your children, right, you, you see how quick life goes, man. And the lesson to be learned here, man, is to see things as God, as God sees it, right, from his perspective rather than just from ours, right? Human accomplishments, however great they may seem, they fade, right? Man, it's gonna be an MVP every year. Like it's gonna be uh, a, a new top artist every. Like it just, it just like people just forget. And then if you do some, don't mess up. You're gonna get canceled. That's a whole other story. But man, it just fade, man. And you know, history is just gonna keep unraveling and unraveling and unraveling. And but for those who trust in God, life has a meaning though and significance that is not tied to anything we achieve or or simply accomplish. And those things, I'm not saying those things are bad, but I'm just saying that they don't deserve all of our stock. And then something, you know, that is strangely encouraging about this psalm is that unlike most laments, it doesn't end with a ready-made solution, right? So he says, hear my prayer, Lord, and listen to my cry for help. Don't be silent in my tears, for I'm here with you as an alien, a temporary resident like all my ancestors. Turn your angry gaze from me, right? So that I may be cheered up before I die and I'm gone. Um, and he testifies that, you know, he will continue to hope knowing that this world is brutal and unwelcoming to 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 him especially as one of the people of god right and something in our soul says yo we were made right for another world c.s lewis says that um and yeah man this broken world was just not made uh just not what the way things are supposed to be and the way things will be and the psalmist obviously doesn't see any physical difference in a situation and he doesn't pretend to, right? But like the Apostle Paul says, who hopes for what he sees, right? We hope on, we believe in the invisible God who has manifested um, himself in tangible, invisible ways in this world and definitively have, has come in the person of Jesus Christ. And we place our faith in that. And we know that that is true. And that is a firm foundation for us to hope. Finally, Psalm 40. And Psalm 40 is literally a psalm that is split right down the middle and presents thanksgiving to God on one on the first half and then after that it talks about you know pleading for his help uh, after that and it says this i waited patiently for the lord and he turned to me and heard my cry for help he brought me up from a desolate pit out of the muddy clay and set my feet on a rock making my steps secure he put a new song in my mouth a hymn of praise to our god many will see in fear and they will trust in the lord he expresses thanksgiving to god for helping him basically 
triumph over whatever the situation that he was in. And I've said this before, maybe in other ways, but man, it's so easy to offer supplication, meaning asking God for things in times of distress, right? But it is also very easy for us. It is very easy for Thanksgiving to slip our mind when the floods of affliction have subsided. And the psalmist just shows us a better way. Man, you know, today, as you think about this text, as you think about the Lord, as you think um, about life, man, a good idea for you today will be just to take a few minutes and to simply reflect on the past and think about all the things that the Lord has gotten you through or brought you out of. Maybe take a pen and write it down. Right. Maybe use. I know we, I'm a lot of, you know, young millennials out here, iPhones and all that. Maybe get in, get out the notepad. You know what I'm saying? Like pull it out. Type. Just write. Yeah. Things that the Lord has brought you through. And I promise. Uh, I promise you will overflow with gratitude. You overflow with gratitude. Right. And then verse six comes in this psalm. And I like this. I love this. He says, yo, you do not delight in sacrifice and offering. You open my ears to listen. You do not ask for a whole burnt offering or a sin offering. Then I said, see, I have come in the scroll. It is written about me. I delight to do your will, my God, and your instruction is deep within me. So he talks about here the sacrifice. And what he is not saying is this. He's not saying that sacrifice sacrifices weren't important, important in ancient Israel um, or even commanded, right? They were commanded, we know, in, especially in Leviticus, um, you know, the book of holiness and uh, in ancient Israel. So he's not saying that. But what he is saying is this, man is that these sacrifices must be, these religious rituals must be accompanied by a cheerfulness and obedience, right? And pure motives and a love for God, right? In other words, in our time, God doesn't want us to just listen to podcasts and just open our Bible begrudgingly, right? Or just go to church for the sake of going to church, but for the sake of you know, delighting. He wants us to do it, not just to do it, but for the sake of delighting. He wants our hearts to be present spiritually wherever we are physically. So today, if you find yourself just going through the motions, man, I know life can be that way sometimes. Pray. Ask the Lord to help you, to give you joy and delight. He wants you to delight in him. So asking him for it is a good idea. Let me pray. Father, we pray that we would delight in you today. We pray that we would be grateful, man. Just grateful for all the ways you showed up and showed out in our lives. Give us remembrance. Let the Holy Spirit remind us of truth, right? Of what you said in your word about us and what you have done for us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.